Welcome back for another episode of Caffeinated Bible Chatter. This is Kyle O'Shields. I'm here today with Dylan Brown. Uh, we got the, the coffees out. We, we both got our, our strong coffee and the, the sword is in front of us and it's sharp. How's it going, Dylan? It's going good. It's going good. I'm intentionally trying to not say the exact same four words I say at every episode. That's my first thing. So I feel like I've done that. So I'm, I feel like this is going to be a great episode. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like this thing is already launched off the ground and it's about to be good. And like you said, I've got my, I've got my, uh, I'll be honest. I am, I'm, I'm going against the name a little bit tonight. I've got me a cup of decaf coffee. Mm. We are, I shouldn't have said tonight because in podcasts, in the podcast land, you never reference when you're recording it, but I've already said it <laughs> and I've got decaf tonight. But I do have a Coke Zero with caffeine, so I think that balances it out. But it's a good cup of coffee nonetheless, so I'm I'm ready to make this happen. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, here recently we've been on the the end times talk. Uh, We talked about the the church being raptured out before this tribulation thing kicks off. Um, We kind of broke down the the rapture in our Bible and solidified the churches out of here uh, before all this happens. Um, so if you haven't seen, seen our, the beginning of all this, this discussion, go back and check those out. Um, you'll, you'll see some good stuff in those, I think. But so today, uh, we're going to get into more of this tribulation stuff. We haven't really talked about what the tribulation is and things like that. So we're going to, we're going to dive deeper into the, the tribulation or the, the great tribulation. That's right. Yeah. I think, I think, um, because there's there's a lot to say about this, and and we have covered a good bit of tribulational stuff so far. I mean, already uh, just by just from the fact that we talked about dispensationalism, and so in nature of talking about dispensationalism, we broke down the differences between salvation, or at least we we broad brushed it, the differences in salvation um, in different dispensations, which by default means that salvation and the tribulation is different, and we've also you know, talked about uh, talked about the tribulation from the from the fact that we laid out how we know the rapture is before the, the tribulation. So because of that, we it, it had us talking about it already. And so the goal in all of this is when we started um, this end time stuff, this little series, if you will, or, what, or whatever you want to call it, um, we started with the rapture because that's the that's the next thing on the on the prophetic calendar. And so. We, we talked about the rapture, and after the rapture, uh, you've got a couple things going on. You've got the tribulation going on after the rapture. Now, I'll say more about this, but it, does, it's, it doesn't happen immediately after the rapture. Okay, now we'll, again, say more about that. There is a slight delay in time. Not sure exactly how long that delay is, but nonetheless, the tribulation is the thing that happens after the rapture. And then... The rest of us, the, the 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 Christians that are raptured out, um, we will the dead in Christ shall rise first. We talked about that, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, and ever you know we'll be with the Lord forever at that point. But while while the rest of the world is still here on earth, eventually going through the tribulation, we will be being judged at the judgment seat of Christ. So we will follow up this episode, or however long it takes us to hit the tribulation. We'll follow that up with the judgment seat because that's what they're they're going on at the same time. So it's sort of like if you're watching like growing up watching a TV episode of something, they would pan between the brother and you know on one screen something's going on in his life, and then the sisters got something going on, and they're going on at the same time, but it's showing you both perspectives. 
that's sort of what we have going on with the tribulation uh, for the for the world that's lost, and then the uh, the judgment seat of Christ for those of us that are saved. So, the tribulation, the great tribulation, boy, it's coming soon. It's coming soon, probably next year. Just kidding, <laughs> just kidding. Just wanted to, just we're just just goofing around here, having a good time. Uh, but we'll go, let's go to Matthew twenty four. I think so. If you're wanting to study, I'd always recommend that. As a listener, and we appreciate all of our listeners out there. You know, it's been a couple episodes since we've said something about that, but we uh, keep getting more downloads, and uh, YouTube's picked up some, and so we uh, we're grateful for we're grateful for your ear. Yeah, if you if you haven't seen the YouTube channel yet, and you're only on the podcast, check out the YouTube too. Yes, get those subscribers. Absolutely, up. <laughs> absolutely. And that ear that ear reference was for you, Tori. She cringed last time I said we're grateful. We cherish your ear. <laughs> so I'm going to keep referencing that. I like that. So the Great Tribulation. So if you're wanting to study this on your own, which I, that's where I was going, is I always recommend you doing your own stuff on this. Um, there's several places that we, we look at when we're studying the, the, the Tribulation. Matthew 24 is a popular one. Um, your, the whole book of Revelation, chapters 6 through 19, that covers the Tribulation. That's mainly where people go. Um, and we'll say, if I don't, Kyle... We'll, we'll, you hit that. Let's at least don't let me don't let me pass that. I sometimes forget to say things, but let's talk about those four accounts there in Revelation eventually too. Um, but Revelation six through nine, uh, six through nineteen, Matthew twenty four, Second Thessalonians two, Daniel, the book of Daniel, mainly chapter nine, chapter eleven. Uh, any other one? I mean, Book of Job is a doctrinal picture. There's a lot of pictures of the tribulation, but it doesn't necessarily give us a, a whole bunch of insight. Uh, but the book of Job, it's interesting. There's 42 chapters in the book of Job. And 42 months would be three and a half years, which is what we believe at least the rough part of the tribulation is. And we'll say more about that too. So there's a lot of, a lot, a lot to say about it. But mainly those references that I gave you. Matthew 24, 2 Thessalonians 2, Daniel 9 and 11, and then Revelation 6 through 19 would be the easiest places to go that just talk directly about it without um, having to weed through some stuff. So, let's go to Matthew 24. Big Cal, you want to look at uh, verse 21 is where we actually get the term. I think it's mentioned there, and it's also mentioned one other time in the book of Revelation, but let's, let's read it there. Yeah, Matthew 24, 21. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So, we, we laid this out last week as we were talking about the... Um, Timing. The timing of the second coming and everything. And so we, we laid all that out and we, we, we were trying to show you that that reference, verse 36, that everybody uses to tell why you can't look at the timing of the rapture or even why you shouldn't even study it. They go to that and um, we tried to lay out how Matthew 24, the context is not the church age. Nothing about it. The book of Matthew in general is actually to the Jew. It's about the Jew and Christ being a king, offering a kingdom and it's, it's why the kingdom of, that's the only book the kingdom of heaven is referenced, and it's referenced the entire throughout the entire book. So um, we tried to lay that out last week, but but I say that because of this. What you'll see is every time I go to Matthew 24, I immediately start having these, these visions of people on Facebook, you know, like sharing the sharing the Matthew 24 stuff, like, like, like this is actually happening in our time, like, you know, it's happening before our eyes. Now, 
the, the things that are preceding Matthew 24, like the, the birthing pains of a woman in travail type thing, those things certainly are going on. But Matthew 24 is not happening before our eyes because that would mean we're in the tribulation. And we're, we believe that we're not because that would mean that we're not in the church and we're not saved and a lot more things. But we want, we want to go there because, again, again, establish this. Matthew 24, the context is the tribulation and then it eventually leads to the second coming, which we laid that out last week as well, and you can reference that video for that. Um, so this is the way I'd start this. Uh, the first thing I, I would I would go over and that I would just remind our listeners of, um, that we, we and again, we talked about this last week, but that's, the first of all, the timing of the tribulation. So again, we laid this out last week, but that is that the tribulation will be after the rapture. Again, we don't have time to chase that rabbit the whole way through. That's what last episode was for. But uh, just quickly, just to kind of skim this, to, in case we have some new listeners, um, Kyle, if you want to grab Revelation 4.1, and then I'm, I'm going to go to Revelation 6. So the book of Revelation, as we said, is the most popular. That's where everybody goes for prophecy. It's lay, It lays everything out prophetically. And you can cross-reference the book of Revelation with Daniel and Ezekiel and a lot of the Old Testament Matthew 24, like we're doing now, and get some prophecy, prophecy laid out. But Revelation's where everybody goes. And so Revelation 4.1, we see the rapture take place. And Big Kai's got that reference. Yeah. Revelation 4.1, After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. Okay. So that is, again, we talked about this last episode, but that is John. John is the disciple whom Jesus loved, just like the church is. Uh, he he he. Uh, Ephesians five talks about Christ loving the church. Okay, and so John is a picture. John is also caught up. He is raptured up. You see that there in that verse, and just like the church will be. Okay, well that happens at the end of chapter or right after chapter three. In the first three chapters of Revelation, are talking continuously about a church, you know, church here, church there, and so it represents the church age. Revelation 4.1, John is raptured out. Um, that's the pictures of the church leaving. Okay, then you have this, this intermediate period of, of chapter 4 and, and chapter 5 where it's really about, it's about the uh, uh, being around the throne, which is interesting because that is exactly where Christians will be after the raptures will be around the throne eventually. I mean, again, I don't know how exactly how that all works other than what I can see in the Bible. But we will be around the throne, and that will lead to the judgment seat of Christ. Um, but that brings, But then you get to Revelation 6. In Revelation 6, 1, this, this is what it says. It says, And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. Now, why do I go there? Well, because when you start studying out the book of Revelation, these seals are essentially uh, God's wrath. And so you see that is uh, the tribulation is, is in swing at that point. Okay, and so when you start when you study out the book of Revelation, a lot of people a lot of people get this um, the book of Revelation messed up, but Revelation, okay, so again, the first three chapters, it, it, that pictures the church age. Chapters four, chapter four shows the rapture. Chapter six through 19 pictures the tribulation. Now, where everybody gets messed up is, or not everybody, but a lot of people, they get messed up because they think that Revelation is showing different accounts of, of different things. 
but it's actually four accounts of the same thing. So one way to look at it is the tribulation is leading up to Christ's second coming. Well, Christ's first coming was given in four accounts in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, God is very systematic and very consistent. So, so God is giving four accounts of the proceeding of, his, of the Son's second coming as well. So you see, like, I don't have the four things listed in front of me, but like one time it's called seals, trumpets, trumpets vials, vials, yeah. So you, <laughs> yeah, so you've got these different, so, but that's all the, it's all the same stuff. Okay. It's just different accounts. So it's just like reading Matthew and then going to reading Luke. Okay. Well, Luke is saying a lot of the same stuff or reading Mark and then reading Luke, whatever. It's saying a lot of the same stuff. It's just from a different eyewitness or, or whatever. Okay. So. And chapter one of Revelation verse 19 actually lays out what he was talking mm-hmm. about with splitting up the chapters. Write the things which thou hast seen. And remember, John is writing this from from as being here when this is happening, right? So write the things which thou hast seen, which was chapters two through three, uh, and the things which are, which is chapters four through 19. He's seeing the tribulation stuff occur. And then the things which shall be hereafter, chapters 20 through 22, mm-hmm. going into the millennium and all yeah. that. Hit verse 10, too. That would be just to show where his perspective yeah. is from. I think you said that. but Yeah, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Yeah, so so John's talking about things behind, you know, things in the past, things in the present, things in the future. But that perspective that he's speaking from is the is from the Lord's day. Well, what is the Lord's day? Well, that is... Essentially, it's the, the day of the Lord. It's the, the, it's the day of the Lord. It's when Christ comes back. It's yeah. it's the, the theme of the Bible, and so that's the whole perspective of of Revelation. And the, the day of the Lord is not Sunday, like we oftentimes you you know use that. People say that you know that's the Lord's day, but it's actually always referencing Christ's second coming. So, yeah, that's good. And so that's the way Revelation lays out. So Revelation six one, like I just like I, so Kyle read Revelation four one, which is talking about the rapture, is picturing that. Revelation six one, we see that the tribulation is is in swing. So, this it doesn't take you know a lot of a lot of head knowledge or anything. But chapter six comes after chapter four, so you can see there that the rapture happens, of course, before the tribulation, and it's even laid out like that chronologically in the uh, the book of Revelation. And so, the timing of the tribulation, we've already talked about that, but just to kind of remind you, and also one thing to keep in the back of your mind is that the tribulation is about Israel. So that is. That is another reason we know that it's not. He's not dealing with the church. He's not dealing with his bride. He's dealing. It's called the time of Jacob's trouble, and you can see Jeremiah thirty verse seven for that reference. I think there's a couple more, but that's the main one. Um, and so it's about it's about Israel. He is he is turning the Lord is turning his focus back to Israel from the church. Okay, and so he is he is not forgotten about Israel because he's got promises that he's still going to fulfill with Israel, that it lead to the millennium and all that, but he's got to deal with him first um, for everything that has, has gone on. So just wanted to lay that out there just as a reminder. But then number two, I, I have it laid out like this, but Kyle, like I said, you interject with your stuff wherever and we'll just we'll just let it ride. But um, I have here the, the length of the tribulation. So um, this is where we talked about, like we kind of referenced before this, like how much we were going to say about this subject. Uh, and the reason we say that is because what I would tell you is on what the length of the tribulation is, is I would tell you it's seven years. Um, but there are some things that would 
there are some things that, that could lead to the possibility that it could be three and a half years. Okay, now, you're, I know you're thinking, well, Dylan, you just literally gave me a half you gave me you gave me it's either one thing or it's double that like that's not a good estimation and I you know what I actually agree and I would turn off this episode no I'm just kidding but I do agree okay but this is what I believe and we're gonna lay this out because there are people that believe it's three and a half years now they not saying that there's a that that the rapture of the church is mid-trib don't get that confused still the, the rapture of the church is still before the tribulation but some do believe that it's only three and a half years rather than seven um some like one of the guys that me and Kyle study behind, he would even say that possibly the first uh, three and a half years was Jesus's earthly ministry. Um, again, that's there's a lot to that, and it's above my pay grade. So I'll plead the fifth on that. But I will say this: I believe that it's seven years, and we're going to lay out why that is. But I believe that in our economy, in, in the way that we we count our calendar of years, it could be shorter than our seven years. Because it actually says that in the tribulation, the days will be shortened. And so there's something there, I believe, as far as where some of that kind of gets uh, gets foggy, if you will. But, so why do I say it's seven years? Okay, well, that brings us to Daniel 9. So, Big Cal, if you want to grab Daniel chapter 9. Yeah. But it brings us to Daniel chapter 9. And again, a lot of, lot of, lot of uh, uh, prophecy in the book of Daniel. But Daniel chapter 9 is picturing the Antichrist here. So Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Just read, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead and read verse 24 and verse 27, big guy. All right, chapter 9, 24 yeah. and 27. All right, Daniel 9, 24. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. And then down to verse 27, and he shall confirm, there's a big page turn, the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease, and for the overspreading of abominations he shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Okay, so what we have here in Daniel is what's referred to as Daniel seven, uh, 70 weeks. Okay, and what this is, is these are 70 weeks that each week represents seven years. Okay, we don't have time to initially get into everything. But what happened is when Israel, remember, Things, a lot of things were contingent upon what Israel did with Jesus Christ as Messiah. And we actually believe the second coming could have happened as early, you know, right after the first coming. Um, we talked about that in dispensationalism. We don't have time to chase that again. Um, but that Israel's response meant a lot for the course of history. And God would have still offered salvation to, to the whosoever. Um, but again, how all that would have worked, I'm not sure. But a lot was contingent upon Israel and what they did with Christ. Okay, so what happened is uh, the first 69 weeks ha have taken place, and then things went on pause after the rejection of Christ, specifically at Calvary. Okay, so Calvary happens, and that's why, if you've heard us say this before, that the, the church age is a parenthetical time frame. So in other words, it doesn't count towards the 70 weeks of Daniel. 
And the reason it's a parenthetical time frame is because God is dealing specifically with the church, with Gentiles, with you know other people, because of Israel's response to him. Okay. Now again, he still would have made, like I said, made salvation available to everyone. Um, but uh, the way that it's played out is is played out because of the, of the way Israel responded to Christ. And so what happens is after that 69 weeks, things went on pause at Calvary. Okay, they crucified the Messiah. Christ still gave them offers to repent in the beginning of Acts through the first seven chapters of Acts, and they didn't. Okay, and we talked about that transition in the book of Acts. They stoned Stephen. Before Stephen was stoned, Christ is ascended. Or he's standing at the right hand of the Father. He Normally he's seated, but he's standing, ready to return. If Israel would repent, well, they don't repent, and they stone the prophet. They stone Stephen. Okay. So it enters this, we're, we're here in this parenthetical time frame called the church age. And so the 70th week, there's only one week to remain in this, this prophecy of Daniel's 70 weeks. Well, that 70th week is going to be back when God goes back, to, brings his attention back to the nation of Israel. So when does he bring his attention back to the nation of Israel? Well, he does that in the tribulation. Because again, it's the time of Jacob's trouble. Okay. So we're in this pause for a, this pause mode for the last 2,000 years. And, and so we're waiting. Uh, that, that 70th week does not happen until we see that there is a peace treaty signed. Um, and that the guy that's signing the peace treaty or this offering the peace treaty is, uh, is the Antichrist, the, the son of perdition. Okay. And so the Antichrist is, is offering with with you know these certain with the world and stuff he's offering uh, this peace this peace that he's willing to give and that whole thing is signed. Well, when that is signed, then it says uh, verse twenty seven, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. That is when the Daniel's seventieth week kicks off, and we're back in swing of these Daniel 70, 70 weeks. Okay, now. How do we know that the weeks equal seven years? Are we just like randomly throwing that out? Or well, that brings you to Genesis 29, verse 27. And Kyle, if you want to grab that, and I think I should have written this down, but I think this is the law first mentioned with the word week. Let me double check. I just said it on air. It may not be true. It is, boom. Okay. The law of the law first mentioned is a big deal in our Bible because it's the first time a word's used in our Bible. It gives us some, some big-time um, working definitions for that word. But this is what we find in the first mention of the word week. And we're just comparing Scripture with Scripture here from Daniel chapter 9. All right. Uh, verse 27. Genesis 30, verse 27. Yeah. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. Okay, so uh, off the top of my head, I should remember this, but I believe this is Jacob uh, serving to get Rachel. Okay, and I think I'm right about that. Because yeah. is that right? Yeah. So this is Jacob serving to get Rachel. Well, what does his father-in-law do? He tricks him, and he gets Leah. He gets the he gets the ugly chick first, unfortunately. And it says he wasn't, you know, he just, he wasn't interested in Leah, evidently. Okay. And so, you know, that whole thing where they're in the tent, 
He wakes up and he realizes it's Leah the next morning. I don't know how that all works, but it's what the Bible says, so I just believe it. One of the more strange, stranger stories in the Word of God, no <laughs> yeah. doubt. Yeah. No doubt about it. You ought to study that out when you got some time. That's, that's a good read. Anyway, um, and so he comes back to his father. Jacob comes back to his father-in-law and he's like, look, you know, this all this all went down. Of course, you know, they both understand what's going on. And he tells them, hey, you got you to gotta, you gotta serve me yet seven other years. And he compares that to a week. Okay, so this whole thing of Daniel 70 weeks, again, it pictures time frames of seven years apiece for each week. Okay, so that's a lot of information. And if, if you've already known about this stuff, then you're, you're thinking, yeah, come on, we'll speed up. This, I, get, I got it. I got where you're going. But if that's new to you, that is a lot. And, you know, I would go back and re-listen to some of that and study this stuff out for yourself. There's a lot to it. Okay. But nonetheless, that is where we get the fact that, that the tribulation is seven years. Okay. Because this, this week that, that is taking place um, is Daniel's 70th week. And that is the actual tribulation. Okay. Now, um, you can also see the third point I wanted to, to, to lay out is the transition of the tribulation. Okay. So something happens in this in the tribulation where things go from um, I guess okay to really bad if you want to say it like that um, and that's a, that's this transition period and you actually see that in the verse that we just read and it says in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease this is Daniel nine verse twenty seven so he he's gonna kind of he's gonna in the middle of this week, in the middle of this seven years, he causes this to cease. And then notice this phrase here. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. Okay, so in the middle of this week, this this covenant, this this, tre- this peace treaty is broken. And the, the Antichrist, there's something going on here with, with what Daniel calls the abominations. Uh, it's called, called abominations. Okay, well, that brings us to Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, and it's actually called the abomination of desolation. And it says in Matthew 24, 15, when ye therefore shall see, remember the context of Matthew 24, it's the tribulation. So he's talking to the Jews as though they're in the tribulation. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, stand in the holy place, whosoever readeth, let him... Uh, let him understand, okay? So what's going on here is he's saying, man, when you see this abomination of desolation take place, get out of Dodge, okay? He's like, man, it's about to get raw and real, okay? And the reason that it... So so what is the abomination of desolation? Well, it's obviously connected with the middle of of the tribulation, and it's connected with this this peace treaty being um, squandered, no longer being intact, okay? The Antichrist going against that. Okay, so what is it that happens? Well, that takes us to Revelation 13. Big Kyle, you want to grab, you got a, you got a reference there? Or you want to grab Revelation 13? Yeah, I can get that. Uh, Revelation 13, verse 3 and 4. This describes what happens, and it tells us what the abomination of desolation actually is. Turn the page. Yeah, Revelation 13. 13, verse 3 and 4. 3 and 4. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshiped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? So what you have here is, in the abomination of desolation, is 
the Antichrist, so the, the first half of the tribulation, the Antichrist is a regular man. Now, he's, he's, he's got charisma, knows how to talk, smart, all those things. But he's a man, nonetheless. But what happens here is we see in Revelation 13 is the Antichrist is wounded with a deadly head wound. Okay? And what actually happens is there is a, a resurrection. Because remember, Satan, he loves to counterfeit the Lord. That's, that's, all, that's always a strategy. And so Satan literally resurrects this Antichrist, but the way that he does it is by physically indwelling him. And this is, uh, you know, where you have the term son of perdition, um, you know, which is interesting. Judas Iscariot, the disciples, called the son of perdition, and there's a lot there you can study out. But the uh, Satan resurrects the Antichrist, and now he is was literally uh, possessed by Satan, which is interesting. Again, if you were to go study Judas, when he took of the sop there at the at the uh, the Lord's Supper, or the last uh, the last supper, uh, what is the phrase that's actually used there? Because it literally says that. I think doesn't not say that Satan indwells him there. I'm, I'm trying to think what the phrase no. actually is. Um, this is why yeah, we're think. we're raw and real because we just think of references right off the cuff, and then I don't know where they're at. So that's always good. <laughs> um, but but nonetheless, you ought to say that out. Judas gets indwelled by Satan after he after the the uh, the Lord's Supper there, and then but nonetheless here in this in this deal in in uh, Revelation, again the man the Antichrist. He dies of a deadly head wound. He's then resurrected. With, okay, Satan resurrects him and, and, and indwells him. Okay, at that point, that is when the abomination of desolation takes place. Well, what is the abomination of desolation? Well, it's verse 4. It's when they begin to worship him. And the reason they begin to worship him is because at that point, he claims to be God. And he goes into Jerusalem and he sits down uh, on a throne and says, "Hey, worship me. I'm the Lord." Yeah, Luke twenty two three. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. Yeah, so. that's, that's really interesting. <laughs> Satan literally enters him, just like he's enters the Antichrist, who is Judas Iscariot, here in Revelation thirteen. Weird stuff, but it's, it's interesting. Okay, so that's the abomination of desolation, and that happens. That is the that's the big transition point in in the uh, the tribulation. Okay. And he tells the Jews, he says, hey, when you see the abomination of desolation, man, get the heck out of Dodge. That's what he's letting them know. The reason is, is because things go from being somewhat okay to being extremely chaotic. Because at that point, with Satan indwelling the Antichrist, running the show, sitting from a, a throne in Jerusalem, telling people to worship him, that is where you get this whole thing of, of the mark of the beast and, and all of these things. And those that don't take of that, they're not able to buy. They're not able to, to sell, to trade. They're not able to, to, to ha- be part of the economy. And, and even, that, even more than that, man, the Antichrist goes on this crazy tear and all kind of stuff. Okay, That is why in Revelation, I mean, I'm sorry, in Matthew 24, it says, He that endureth to the end shall be saved. Okay, Because again, in the tribulation, they got to run to the mountains. When this happens, they got to get the heck out of Dodge and they've got to stay alive without being a part of the economy and, and staying out of the crosshairs, the crossfires of the Antichrist. How they do that, I'm not sure, but some 
some Jews will do it for sure. Okay, so you also see this take place in 2 Thessalonians. This abomination of desolation gives it a clear example. But 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7 and 8, it says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. So that's representing, that's talking about the, the, the physical man, the Antichrist. He has to get, he has to be taken out of the way. Okay? He has to be taken out of the way. And then verse 8, it says, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So how does the how does this person let or be or get taken out of the way so that the wicked, capital W there, that the wicked can be revealed? Well, he he dies. Deadly head wound, and then Satan resurrects him by indwelling him. And then you have that crazy transition of the church age. Okay. So there's that. And then number four, I would lay this out, and that is the terror of the tribulation. Now, this is where everybody always talks about right here. Um, you know, they're like, man, the, you know, trip, that's why, this is why everybody's so tripped out about the subject of uh, you know, the rapture being before the tribulation, being you know, middle of the tribulation, after the tribulation, and we, we covered all that. Um, but the reason everybody is, is tripping out about it is because things are crazy in our world today, and they're so scared that it's going to like all of a sudden be, we're going to be in the tribulation. I know where everybody's looking for the Antichrist and all that, and, and uh, they're so scared it's going to happen, and we're going to be caught in all the crap that happens in the tribulation. Okay? Well, the reason they think that is because it is a terrible time. Okay? Matthew 24, again, uh, Big Cow, if you want to go to verse 15, uh, Matthew 24, verse 15, or read down to verse uh, 21 here. Yeah. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So we see there what I was referencing about when they see the abomination of desolation. Verse 16, then he says, um, those people that are in Judea, Man, flee into the mountains and let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. He's giving him reference like, hey, look, it's going to be bad. It's going to be crazy. You, you, you know, you got you to gotta hide out, okay? And, and then in verse 21, he says that this time frame, this great tribulation, it will, there will never, there's never been a time like it before and there will never be a time like it afterwards, okay? So it's going to be an awful time. Uh, and this is, man, this is where it comes down to the fact of, of this, okay, because we, we always like to bring in some application to every single episode. Okay, so majority of the people that are listening to us, uh, I'm sure, know Christ. Okay, so what is the application here? Well, the application is, man, if we really do believe that the rapture is so, so near, and we laid that out last week, we really do believe it is. I was actually talking to somebody the other day, and I, I'd be shocked if, it, if it's more than five years. I really would be, but I laid it out last week. I think it'll be in the next 18 years, and that's weird to say, but I, I do believe I have scripture to defend that. But nonetheless, uh, it's, it's very close. Okay, so what's our application? Well, man, we all know people that, that, that don't know Christ 
or we all know people that at least we don't know if they know Christ. That we're unsure of that. And we don't know if they have a testimony in, 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 those, in those things. Um, and so, okay, well, if we believe the rapture is that close, then man, those people that we know of, that we have access to every single day, they will, these things that we're reading, they will become a reality. Uh, they will become a reality for those people that we know if they don't come to know Christ. Okay? Now, we've laid out, okay, how bad will it be? Well, Revelation 14, verse 19 and 20 says, uh, And the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and cast it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. So this is what those seals and those different things are. It's God's wrath. So you look at, you look at, at the world. I'm sure you do this. I do this. You look at the world and you go, how does God allow this crap to happen? How does God allow these people to do what they're doing? How does God allow, uh, you know, like we, we watch, this is a shout out, we watch that child trafficking movie. Like something like Sound that. Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom. There's a plug. If they want to sponsor this, that'd be great. <laughs> we, we, we watch Sound of Freedom, right? Like how does God allow that kind of stuff to happen? Like that's, to the most innocent people and children, how does God allow people to get away with some of those things? Okay, well, at the end of the day, He's not allowing that. Every every deed, no deed goes unpunished, and, and, and God is taking record of what's going on. But what happens is God is, that wrath, the, the, the very things that causes God to be full of wrath, He is storing those things up. And those things will be released during this time period. Okay? So it says, and for back to Revelation 14, verse 19, it says, And cast into, into the great winepress of the wrath of God, and the winepress was trodden without the city, and blood came out of the winepress, even unto the horse's bridles, by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. And so, I'm no cowboy. Uh, if, you know, if you know me, that wouldn't shock you. I'm no cowboy. But I know that the horse's bridle is fairly high off the ground. And so if blood's being up to the horse's bridle, well, that's, uh, that's certainly a vicious time. Okay? So, again, man, this is, this, this, it is indeed. That's why everybody's so paranoid about, you know, is, is, is Matthew 24 going on? Well, because everybody's so scared that the tribulation's going to happen and that, you know, we're going to be a part of it and this and that, which, again, we covered that. But nonetheless, man, our application in this is, okay, maybe you're like us and you clearly see it in Scripture that, the rapture is before the tribulation. Okay, but that doesn't take away the fact that there could still be loved ones or friends and family, co-workers, people that we know that actually will have to see these things with their physical eye. And man, what a terrible thing that would be. Okay, and so that would bring me to this this last thing, and that is, okay, what is the only escape of the tribulation? What is the only way for those people? Maybe it's you. Maybe you don't know Christ and you're listening to this uh or, or, you know, some way you found it. Okay, well, what is, how, how do you bypass this time frame and actually not being a part of this time frame? Okay, well, the only escape is choosing Jesus Christ here and now. Okay, because the, the problem is, and Big Cal, if you want to go to 2 Thessalonians 2, and uh, I'll go to 1 Thessalonians 4, but if you want to go to... Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 7 through 11. I can find it. That's one of them, that's one of them sneaky books. Bypass that thing without even realizing it. <laughs> there we go. What did you say, 2 Thessalonians? 2, verse 7 through 11. Oh. 
2, 7 through 11. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Uh, oh, we're going out 11, right? Yeah, yeah, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. So, okay, so this, this begs the question, because we've said that, that salvation is different in the tribulation versus now. So now we believe in the church age that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. Okay, so somebody can come to, they can believe on Jesus Christ, right? Realize they're a sinner, believe that Jesus paid all the debt at Calvary, believe that he rose again, trust in him by calling upon him for salvation, and be eternally secure right then, knowing Christ, being with Christ for the rest of their life, okay? Awesome, awesome promise. Praise the Lord for it, all right? But according to 2 Thessalonians 2, so that, that begs the question, okay, well, what if somebody... What if somebody misses the rapture? Like you have these these movies that were made in the 90s, you know, left behind and all that stuff. What if somebody misses the rapture? Okay, well, what I would tell you is based on the references we just read in 2 Thessalonians 2, notice what verse 10 said again. Uh, it said, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they, re- because they rejected not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Okay, in verse 11, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. So this is what I would tell you. Okay, if somebody has been presented the good news of Jesus Christ, if somebody's been presented here and now the gospel, then man, according to this reference in 2 Thessalonians, even though we believe that people that endure to the end of the tribulation will be saved, it's a, it's a faith and work salvation in the tribulation. Even though we are saying that is possible for people, Okay, according to 2 Thessalonians 2, if somebody in this dispensation, here, they're here right now, here and now, and they have had an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ, okay, and they don't receive it, essentially what they're doing is they are receiving not the love of the truth, there in verse 10, that they might be saved. Because that's what happens when we got saved, is we received the love of the truth. We received the truth of the love of Christ, what he did for us, Okay. Then in verse 11, because they receive not the truth, verse 11, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. You know what lie they're going to believe? They're going to believe that when the abomination of desolation takes place and the Antichrist says that he's God, they're going to believe him. And then by definition, they're not going to endure the end. They're going to take the mark. They're going to take the mark of the beast. They're going to do whatever the Antichrist says. Okay. And what that is going to lead to is eventually them being in the lake of fire for all of eternity. And, and, and you know, I, I, I'll be honest, I can't wrap my mind around that reality, even though I've heard it my whole life. I can't wrap my mind around the, the reality that. Somebody can be in that kind of suffering for eternity. Because in my mind, when I begin to think about that, whenever I think of suffering, I always think about suffering from the context of just getting through it. And then you're on the other side of it. But in that context, there is no getting through it. It is just continuous for eternity. There's no time cap on it. So, man, 
That's the application for us believers. The application for you, if you're lost and you're listening to this, is that, man, you're, you, you are hearing, if from nothing else, from, from this stupid joker that is talking in the mic, sweating his tail off right now in this hot garage, <laughs> you are hearing the fact that the only way of salvation is Jesus Christ. Okay, and if someone that is hearing that does not receive that truth, does not come to know Christ, then man, when that time does come, when this terrible time does come, you're going to be deceived, and you're going to believe a lie, and you're going to you're going to you're going to be like a fish on a hook, and you're going to go you're going to do and believe everything that the Antichrist says and this world system says. Okay, and yeah, so man, that's that's our application. Verse yeah. twelve actually says. They'll be damned who believe not the truth. Yeah, so. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. The next verse in Second Thessalonians 2 there. So, man, that, that is our application for us that, that know Christ, okay? Is that, I mean, we, there, time is short. If we really believe it's that short, then that ought to motivate us to say, you know what? This is a terrible time. And this is what's coming after the rapture. And, and I don't want those that I'm around to experience this. Because what's really interesting is after the tribulation... The second coming of Christ takes place, okay? And then after the thousand-year reign of Christ, it says that death, that those that were cast in death and hell, they will be resurrected for a short moment to the great white throne judgment, and they will be judged, and then death and hell will be cast into the lake of fire. And what's weird about that is, is, it, is it says, I think it's 1 Corinthians 6, I think. I'm not positive about that. But it talks about us judging angels. That's a weird reference. Reference, okay. But what we find is that at the great white throne ju- judgment, we will actually be there present. Some believers will be, and some believers will be there present at the great white throne judgment. And I always worry about the fact that man, if 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 there is somebody there that I don't know how all that stuff will shake out, but if there is somebody there somehow that I know and they are standing being judged, and I am there present, and I was not persistent to continually to evangelize them and give them the gospel, man, what a terrible day that would be. And I've always said this, what's interesting to the Christian is that the tears are not, everybody talks about getting to heaven and the tears are wiped away. The tears are wiped away in Revelation 20, which is after the great white throne judgment. And the reason why the reason I believe that is is because I believe there can be people that are emotional during the tribu- during the millennium, especially those that are not ruling and reigning with Christ that didn't surrender all to Christ after their salvation. And I also believe that people will be able to cry during the Great White Throne judgment when we have people that we know standing before the Lord, being judged, cast into the lake of fire. And man, that's just harsh stuff. But our hope is First Thessalonians chapter four which says, and this is why the rapture is a comfort, like we talked about uh, two weeks ago. But it says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel, this is the rapture here, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. That's a comforting thing. 
Man, may we take that comfort, the reality that is in that comfort, that is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that bypasses all of these things that we've talked about in this episode. Man, may we share that reality so that it can be a comfort for those that are around us. That's the application. That's the takeaway in all of this uh, for, the, for the Christian. So, yep. That's all I got. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> that, that ended a little sharper than I thought. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if we want to go here, but if you want to extend this, I have written down like salvation being different in the tribulation. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Like um, it. So obviously, with us in the church age, we know we have salvation and eternal security through the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, right? Um, but I, I wrote down Colossians chapter two, sixteen and seventeen, where Paul tells us about some of these things that will return. Right. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of any holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come. But the body is of Christ. So he's telling us these things that are to come. Right. So talking about after the church age. Um, <clears throat> so before the tribulation, we already talked about this. The body of Christ is gone. Right. Those first Thessalonians chapter four, first Corinthians chapter 15. We we see the twinkling of an eye and the, the last trump and all that stuff. Um, so if the body of Christ, the church is gone at this time, uh, then that means there's no eternal security and things like that no longer apply mm-hmm. right? right? in the tribulation. Um, the tribulation time, it, it becomes uh, faith and works, right? Um, but some of the, the references for that, Revelation 12 17, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 14, you see again, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So they have to keep these commandments in the tribulation. There's there's things they have to do, right? God is commanding them things and they have to follow through um, with these things. Uh, Revelation chapter 14, 10 and 11, the same shall drink of wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. And they have no rest day nor night who worship the beast in his image, whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. So that's what we're talking about. If you receive that mark, right? So so in, if you believe on Christ, like like the Philippian jailer, right? Or if you confess Christ with your mouth, like the Ethiopian eunuch, and you go get baptized, or but then you take the mark of the beast, are you going to go to heaven? Well, no. I, you lose your salvation, right? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so there is no eternal security in this time. Um, and then two of the parables that I have marked down here. You you can check these out for yourself. We're not going to read all these. But Matthew chapter 12 is a, the parable of the talents. And that's a, a tribulation parable, right? And then Luke 19 is, goes with that, but it's the parable of the pounds, which is when you apply to us. So in Matthew, you see at the end, he didn't do what he was supposed to. Well, he lost his salvation, right? He was gnashing of teeth and all that. They said he was cast in, cast in the hell pretty much. Uh, and then Luke 19, that guy, he doesn't lose his salvation. He just loses rewards, right? Mm-hmm. He, he loses right. things he has. So you can see that there's a difference there. There's a clear difference in Matthew and the and the parable in Luke. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that works salvation. The, the, some of that Old Testament stuff comes comes back into play. It's just not believe Jesus died on the cross and 
and you, he comes to live inside of you, right? Right, absolutely, yeah. And it just shows. I mean, it's, it's like we've talked about with with some of these things, and in, in, in this episode, and dispensationalism and all that. I mean, there is no better time to be alive. Like there really isn't, and we it, get it the easiest. Yeah, and it and it just shows you like how amazing the gift of eternal life truly is. Like Romans yeah. six twenty three talks about it being the gift of eternal life. Uh, Ephesians two eight nine talks about it being the gift of eternal life. It's not of works, so less any man should boast. Okay, talking about you know us in the church age. Okay, you know, again, why somebody would would not uh, why somebody would not take up that this offer? I mean, again, what do you do with a gift? You receive a gift. There's no strings attached. God's not telling us to live it. He want he can live it through us as we surrender to Him day by day. But He in, is not telling us in in ourselves, in and of ourselves, of our flesh to live it. It's not about that. It's a, it's a, it's a it's receiving a gift by faith, receiving a person, the person of Jesus Christ by faith, and believing what He's done for you is sufficient to cover your sin debt. So, man, there, there's an old saying. I like it. I reference it all the time. But we talk about the gospel being good news. Well, good news is only good news, as the old preacher always said. Good news is only good news if it gets there on time. And so truly, if the rapture is is as close as we believe it is, and we believe it's close, very close. I mean, look around. Look around. Times are crazy. Times are nuts. Um, and so we believe it's close, and more than just for time being time times being crazy, we believe it's close because of the parameters we see in the Word of God, as we talked about last week. But nonetheless, again, good news is only good news if it gets there on time. May this motivate us if it's if we really if we're going to believe John three sixteen, if we're going to believe Romans ten nine, if we're going to believe Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, you know all these. Verses that people love to quote, all good stuff. Then, if we're going to believe those, man, we got to believe. Just like we talked about taking the Bible literally, we got to believe the things we just laid out in this episode literally. That these things are literally going to happen. That they're literally going to take place. And man, those that don't come to know those those that don't receive this love of the truth, as Second Thessalonians talked about, man, they're going to be deceived, and they are going to experience the very things that we talked about. And what's what's so terrible is, man, though they're experiencing these terrible things, what's coming down the pipe is not any better. It's actually worse yeah. for all of eternity. So, man, may we be proactive to to show them, man, this is the only way in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And may it, may it, may, and, and again, that'll that can, and, and the very th- the very reality of of this calling us to evangelize. You know what? It'll roll. It'll roll us into next week. Where we, I believe, talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah. And our, you know, as as this is going on down here in the tribulation, we are going. If you know Christ, we are going to be face to face with the Lord, being judged, not for our sins. Christ dealt with that on the cross, and if we've received Him, then that has been sufficiently paid. Uh, but we are going to be judged by our, based on our works, based on our stewardship with the grace of God in our lives. What did we do with the Lord Jesus? What did we do with His Word? Did we invest in eternal things or did we invest our lives in temporal things? And man, one of the best ways to invest our lives in eternal things is evangelism. It is giving ourselves to preaching the gospel, to sharing the gospel with the lost that are around us. Because at the end of the day, we've probably said this before on here, it's something we say a lot, but at the end of the day, there's only two things that are eternal. 
that we have that we have physical access to, and that is the souls of men and the Word of God. So may we take the Word of God and invest it into the souls of men, because time is short, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, I think these last two episodes, uh, can we know the timing of the rapture and talking about the tribulation, it should definitely challenge us, you know, challenge us to get out there because time's short, right? Um, but yeah, thanks for thanks for tuning in and listening to another episode of this. Uh, like Dylan said, the, the judgment seat will be coming next, um, and that should also challenge us, not just to tell others that this thing's happening soon, but that should challenge ourselves, knowing that this judgment seat is coming. We're going to be standing right before the throne, you know? That's, that's a scary thought, actually. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, all right, thanks for tuning in. We'll, we'll see you all in the next one.